Hey, it's going to be a big year for Republicans, right? They say they're going to take the House and the Senate back. And that would be pretty spectacular. And things are getting down to the wire in Pennsylvania. The Republican primary is coming up on Tuesday. Major candidates vying for the nomination. Of course, you know that President Trump has endorsed Dr. Oz. Uh, News lately about Kathy Barnett. She has emerged as a real contender here. She's she's in second place. And those who... uh, admire her, say she's just like Trump. You know, I mean, she's passionate and she's got such a story. And, you know, the more I look at her, I realize, yeah, she's just like Trump, except she lacks the talent, the intellect, the success, the record and the genius of Trump. This person is a mystery. They'd be taking a very, very big risk on Kathy Barnett. This, I believe, I believe the people I'm talking to, actually, that this is the Democrats' dream nominee for the Republican Party. Now, they like her story, which could very well be a fake. You don't realize this about her. She says she's a conservative. I'm not buying it. Actually, she looks like a race-baiting huckster. Yeah. Sorry to say that, but it's true. Now, this is uh, Sean Gale. He's also running for Senate in Pennsylvania. He's calling her out. Listen to this. At a recent U.S. Senate debate, candidate Sean Gale called out Kathy Barnett for playing the race card on the campaign trail. And I think it's very disingenuous for Kathy Barnett to pretend that she's not running a campaign purely based on identity politics. I'll prove it this way. There's seven candidates running for this race. There's nine running for governor. There's only one candidate that has to put her picture on the sign, and that's Kathy Barnett. Picture on the sign. They're talking about those those yard signs, right? You put them on the lawn and kind of shows you how enthusiastic people are or aren't, depending on how many signs are out there. And uh, he says her picture is on, but nobody else's. Let's take a look. Dr. Raz has uh, no picture. Okay. His rival McCormick, no picture. And let's see, Kathy Barnett. Nope. Mr. Gale, no picture. What about Kathy Barnett? Uh, All right. There is a picture. Eh, It's not the not such a big deal in my book. However, however, listen to why she put her picture on that placard and what she says people should say about her. Listen to this. Get my yard sign. Get my palm card. If you're really hesitant about speaking, get the palm card, pounce on your neighbor and just hand them the card. And if they say, no, I don't want it. Shame them. Really? You don't want to support the first black person? Are you a racist? Say it to them. That's what they say to you. Why do you think I put my little black face on my yard sign? That's not funny. That kind of mentality is dangerous. And that's what's happening. Because quite frankly, I believe if she were white, she would not be at all competitive in this race. George W. Bush, for all of his faults, called it the bigotry of soft expectations. She has gotten away without answering very basic biographical questions. And here are some that she is very cagey about. Number one, the name of her hometown. Yeah, she wouldn't put that out. We'll have her partial answer in a moment. Some other basic questions that she's being very evasive about. Where was she an adjunct professor and when? 
Number three, when was she in officer candidate school? Oh, her military record is a great big black hole. And number four, the question is, when did she move from Virginia to Pennsylvania? She says in her book bio from 2018 that she lived in Virginia. So what year did she move to Pennsylvania? All right, so she's competitive now and people are asking questions. Her answers are weird. So my military record. I went in in 1990. I came out in 2000. I have honorable discharges. I spent 10 years in, I usually say the military, but under that umbrella would be between the Army Reserve and the National Guard. Um, that's that. Um, that's that? That's it? That's all you're going to say about your military service? The year you went in? The year you allegedly left? What about what job you had, where you were based, what did you do, what were your responsibilities, what did you learn? It's very, it's suspiciously vague. I was in the military, not for 10 years like Kathy, for nine years active duty. And I can tell you everything, not just when I went in and when I left, uh, the places I lived, Virginia, Florida, Mississippi, Arizona, uh, the places I went, everywhere from the United Arab Emirates, got to fly over Iraq, uh, the Peleliu, the Tarawa, all kinds of things. I could talk for an hour before I say, and that's that. Something's weird, very weird about this. And it gets even weirder. Kathy, did you go to officer candidate school? There's questions around that. I was accepted. I always say I was accepted. I went through the rigorous paperwork and vetting and interviews to be accepted into officer candidacy school. And I have always said I did not finish it. Uh, because I got married. I was my, this really cute guy asked me to marry him. You know, we did lots of things during officer candidate school. We didn't have time to uh, get married and meet our fiance. Right. This gives you an idea of what that experience is like, but somehow she found the time to uh, get married. She got accepted. She didn't finish some officer candidacy school. Nobody calls it that. It's very strange. Even basic questions about her hometown. Where are you from? She gets evasive and cagey. What's the name of your hometown? I grew up in what was called Nichburg. It is now called Repton. And that's in Alabama. Look, I listened to it. I couldn't. Mitchburg, I couldn't find it. I'm not exactly sure what she said. Granted, she's on the phone. If you live in Alabama and you've heard of these places, that's great. I personally have not, but I'll give her that. She's uh, probably from Alabama, but even that seemed a little bit. Now, she claims to be or have been a professor. Do you believe this? Where were you an adjunct professor and when? Uh, in um, Justin University. And where's that, Kathy? That is in uh, Illinois. Okay. And and when when were you there? I don't remember the time. Okay. This is what grifters do. They're vague about their past on purpose. They don't want you to go back there and check around. Maybe it never even happened. We think she said Judson University. Not sure. If it is, it's smaller than most high schools. Doesn't know when she was there. Where is it? Uh, Illinois, I think. And what about where is she actually living as an adult? She wrote a book in 2018 about herself, an autobiography. Listen to this. And when did you move from Virginia to Pennsylvania? You, you say in your book, I bio. Never lived, that- I, 
Go ahead. Yeah, I never lived in Virginia. That was a typo. But by the time it was discovered, the book had already been printed. Um, so we've never lived in Virginia. Uh, we lived here in Pennsylvania for this is our ninth year. It was a typo. The book said her own book, her autobiography said she lived in Virginia. May I see Virginia, please? It's a pretty straightforward word. Uh, Virginia, if they put an S at the end or misspelled it, that would be a typo. Uh, she says they should have written Pennsylvania. That's an entirely different word, right? That's not a typo. That's an error in fact, potentially, or perhaps she's just lying. By the way, she's a bit out there when she tweets. Oh, yeah. Now, this is offensive stuff, but we got to go through it. I mean, somebody's got to vet her. Please pray for my babies and me. We are about to board the plane to California, and there's a homosexual female. Um, This is bigotry, folks. This is bigotry. Oh, here she is engaging in some political uh, conversation. No, we have Cruz and Ben Carson. This is back in 2016. I like Trump. He's a riot, but he's nothing more than headlines. Very little substance, really. Islam, she says, is a theocracy and should be banned in the United States. I disagree with that. Um, Democrats in Pennsylvania will not let her forget it if she is the nominee. This is dangerous stuff. This is un-American. This is weird. And so is she. I'm sorry. And she's tried politics before. In a way, she's an insider, right? I mean, who goes around running for uh, election after election? In 2020, she ran for Congress. She lost by 20 points. That's big. And is Pennsylvania really going to take a chance on that? Is she poised for victory now in a general in Pennsylvania? Let's take a look at Donald Trump's preferred candidate, Dr. Oz. Now, some people say, oh, he's too Hollywood. I'll get to that in a moment. But remember, Donald Trump picked him above all the others. By the way, I endorsed another person today, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz is totally America first. He's a world-class expert. He can open your chest and operate. Oh, but I've heard the complaints. Friends with Oprah. You can't trust anybody who's friends with Oprah, right? How about Donald Trump? We trust Donald Trump? Friends with Oprah? You better believe it. All over the place. He even thought about having Oprah as his running mate. You can look it up. He did in 2015. He talked about it. All right. They also say, well, Dr. Raz, I heard him say something about abortion once. I'm not sure if he's pro-life. Donald Trump turned out to be the greatest pro-life president this country has ever had. If it weren't for Trump, Roe would not be on the verge of being overturned. But this used to be Donald Trump. He said this. This is not altered. This is real. Partial birth abortion, the eliminating of abortion in the third trimester, big issue in Washington. Would President Trump ban partial birth abortion? Well, look, I'm I'm very pro-choice. Very pro-choice to the most pro-life president we ever had. The most significant Roe v. Wade could be gone very soon because of him. And he evolved on the issues. He did. I believe Dr. Oz. I'm not officially endorsing anybody, but I believe him. And the fake news, if Dr. Oz loses to Kathy Barnett, you know what they're going to do? They're going to try to write the political obituary of Donald Trump. This is a big test. And if he loses, he's losing hold. That's how they always play it.
these coming weeks are going to be the biggest test of former President Trump's hold on the Republican Party. I mean, uh, what's happening in Pennsylvania is fascinating. He endorsed Mehmet uh, Oz. Pennsylvania, now the biggest Trump test yet. Having Donald Trump's endorsement is helpful. Mm. But the real question is, what happens when you take away the scandals? Can he, in fact, put someone over the top who really doesn't have any quote unquote scandals, but perhaps is a weak candidate? I think Next week in Pennsylvania, we're going to get a real test. The reason I think Pennsylvania is going to be the biggest Trump test yet is because of this resistance to Oz. If Oz does win, yeah. that's going to say a lot about the Trump influence. If Oz wins here, it really is that that means that 40 percent undecided mm-hmm. was waiting for the Trump bat. And they are chomping at the bit, the fake news. They want Oz to lose. They want this Kathy Barnett. Kathy Barnett, oh, the fake news is and the Democrats' dream. Her or Dr. Oz, remember, Donald Trump's choice for this is Dr. Oz. And you think about what Donald Trump has done, what he does almost every weekend night. He goes to, uh, <laughs> he goes far away from his home in Florida to campaign in the rain for the good of the country. Quite frankly, I think Republicans in Pennsylvania, I think they owe it to President Trump. I'm sure they'll choose well. We'll be right back with a a Joe Biden who continues to lose his mind and not unite America and blow off an important milestone. We'll be right back. Hi, Rob Carson here. If you love watching Newsmax, you're really going to love listening to our new podcast. It's called the Newsmax Daily. I host it and I give you the best briefing of the big news of the day, top newsmaker interviews, and even, yes, a few laughs. I know it's hard to believe. So if you're uh, driving, walking, exercising, just about anywhere, you can connect with the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Find our podcast online or go to iPhone, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and more and start listening today. All All I can can say is is that the fake news just just doesn't doesn't get it, do they? Hey, they're really excited that uh, Joe Biden is kind of making it personal between himself and half of the country, the part that supports Trump and the Make America Great Again agenda. Under my predecessor, the great MAGA king. The great MAGA king. And he's been railing about MAGA and how extreme MAGA is lately. By the way, Donald Trump loves MAGA king. He announced on Truth Social, by the way, we got to download that. Uh, The great MAGA king is the name Joe Biden is now using to describe me. Thank you, Joe. (laughs) Make America great again. Truth Social. Uh, Looking pretty cool. Uh, But yeah, Joe Biden railing against MAGA. I mean, sorry, Joe, but half of us are like that. And what did you promise? Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. His whole soul. And he's just writing us off as as MAGA crazies. Yeah. Oh, the fake news is writing it for him, along with him. Democrats are starting to get that. We're hearing the word MAGA come out of the president's mouth a lot. We're hearing out of Chuck Schumer's mouth, these MAGA Republicans, these MAGA Republicans. And then going on something you've been saying for a couple of months, just call them crazy. They're freaks. Because a lot of these candidates are flat out crazy. They are freaks. You look at what they're saying. They're freaks and liars. 
I don't know if ultra MAGA is going to work, though, because the Republicans are now saying I'm proud to be ultra MAGA. It's giving them. Well, that'll give that'll give them 33 percent. Take your 33 percent. You sure about that? Yeah, I actually kind of like ultra MAGA, King MAGA. We also kind of like deplorables. Remember that? Remember how Hillary lied about us, besmirched us? That was a big mistake. We'll never forget, though. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. So there are racists, xenophobics, Islamophobes everywhere, Kathy Barnett, um, everywhere. To say that half of Trump supporters are those things, it was horrific, horrific. And that's why we said, yeah, fine, call us deplorable, because we knew that was a lie. And uh, 33%. I don't think so. I don't think so. Hey, Joe Biden took a bit of a fall. Take a look. I know he barely fell, right? If you blink, you missed it. It really wasn't a fall. Take another look. Here he's going slow motion. Oops, just a little bit. And quite frankly, I'm not going to give him a hard time about this. Anybody can take a little stumble. It barely was that. I was surprised that Twitter erupted. Biden says he's fighting inflation. We can't even trust him not to fall up the stairs. What else? All over the world, people were saying uh, not kind things. Steady on, uh, almost slips on the stairs to Air Force One. Biden stumbles on Air Force One again. Uh, Yeah, I think this was over the top. It wasn't that much of a fall. I was surprised. It was a bigger reaction to this non-fall than his calamitous fall about mm, less than a year ago. Do you remember this? There's a good reason. There's a good chance you don't because nobody covered it. Take a look. Bam. One, two, three. Just erratic how the fake news. This was so undercovered. Anyway, I am going to give him a break. That was a minor trip, not a fall today. This was a catastrophe. Oh, when a Republican falls, (laughs) watch out. For President Ford, the year seemed full of snags. In June, he fell down the plane steps on arriving in Austria. Oh, that was a bad fall. And that almost determined the rest of his presidency. I mean, take a look at this. It was a front page story in the New York Times. And uh, yeah, they would not let him hear the end of it. They made fun of him everywhere he went that one fall. And by the way, it was rainy and slippery. Anyway, even back then, uh, they were fake and unfair. All right. So we have an important milestone. Some, yeah, it is important, I guess. A million COVID deaths. We've reached officially one million COVID deaths. Now, how was this milestone acknowledged? How was it commemorated? Well, let's go back how we commemorated previous milestones. At 400,000, there was a major event run by Joe Biden, the uh, the night before he became president. Take a look at the uh, big speech and 400 candles, I believe, for each victim. I mean, it was, it really was something. 
At 500,000 deaths, uh, a big national address and more candles, this time outside the White House and a solemn appearance by the president, the first lady, Kamala Harris, her husband. 600,000 deaths. Uh, I think, is this when they start to tone it down a little bit? Yes, it is. They put out a tweet, just a tweet. Uh, what they do at 700,000 deaths? You see, this is happening on their watch. You get it? Just a statement, just a statement. We must not become numb to the sorrow as they become numb to the sorrow. And then at 800,000 deaths, they do it at, you know, 100,000 benchmarks. Joe Biden actually laughs it off. President Biden, on 800,000 coronavirus deaths, do you have a statement on your responsibility? Why haven't you uh, asked China to do more to be transparent on the origins? (laughs) Wow, huh? Mr. Empathy, the consoler in chief. Now that we are at one million COVID deaths, he made a statement that was, I believe, issued not necessarily to all of us, but to the uh, a health conference uh, held in Europe. And here's a bit of that. There's still so much left to do. This pandemic isn't over. Today, we mark a tragic milestone here in the United States. One million COVID deaths. That's it. A statement uh, from a room. Uh, One million. That's a big number. It's a lot bigger than 400,000. Remember that? 400,000 and all those candles in front of the Lincoln Memorial? One million? Just Joe sitting in his office by himself because it's on his watch now. It's politics before he tried to blame it on Trump. Cynical. And he thinks we're not going to notice. Oh, you can't get this one by us, Joe. Stay with us. Woke teachers kicking it up a notch and these great women fighting back. We'll be right back. If you've had it with the old news and the same spent, well, then Spicer and Company's your place for the inside story and for the facts that you need to know. So, um, lives of TikTok, I love it. They reveal the insanity of the woke left. You're about to see something insane, but strangely enough, these uh, teachers are actually not renegades or revolutionaries. They're following the rules, the bizarre rules that say uh, they don't have to tell parents when their children come out as another gender in the school. Uh, as transgender, or I'm a boy, I think I'm a girl, all that stuff. No, it's just between these teachers and the students, according to the rules. What should we do if a parent requests that we refer to their child by the pronouns associated with their sex, assigned at birth instead of their preferred pronouns? I just told them that maybe that's not helpful, but I just told them no, Um, like respectfully no, there wasn't much they could do. And they eventually, they eventually kind of found another, um, you know, another like topic to, to like squawk about it. We, I don't know if we were even respectful about it. We were just like, no, that's sorry. Like the, our district wide rule is that the student determines that, not you. You know, for a while I thought, okay, these are woke teachers who are just carried away with themselves, but no, more and more school districts, states are saying just this, that it's between the teacher and the student. New Jersey, which is not an insane place, 
came out with a host of rules saying that none of this is the business of the parents, but all for the teachers. Take a look. Uh, Policy outlined uh, official government policy. A school district shall accept a student's asserted gender identity. There is no affirmative duty for any school district personnel to notify a student's parents or guardian of the student's gender identity or expression. That's the case. Homeschool or private school, if you can pull it off, this is insanity. Next, please. There may be instances where a parent or guardian of a minor student disagrees with a student regarding the name and pronoun to be used at school and in the student's education records. Staff should continue to refer to the student in accordance with the student's chosen name and pronoun at school. Parents. Parents have responsibilities. Parents have duties. Taking the parents out of the equation. This is horrible, of course, and we know that, but it's still happening. Next, please. New Jersey again. School districts shall provide transgender students with the same opportunities to participate in physical education as other students in accordance with their gender identity. Girls can be in boys sports. Boys can be in girls sports. This is now... It's not as shocking. I thought it was going to end, turn the tide after that crazy swimmer in the University of Pennsylvania. No, this is still happening. Next, please. All students are entitled to have access to restrooms, locker rooms, and changing facilities in accordance with their gender identity. Um, I know this has been happening in Virginia and other places, but it's getting closer and closer to my neck of the woods. And oh, by the way, I have a daughter. The older daughter will be starting school soon. We need laws to fight this stuff. Like Ron DeSantis. Boy, more and more, I like this guy. Wow. The bravery, the vision, what he did in Florida, what they did. We need it nationwide. It's, uh, it's for the protection of children. And um, I love parents. I love parents who are fighting the fight at the school board meetings. They're fantastic. Yeah, uh, the liberal elites, they don't like us. They think we look rough around the edges. They don't like the way we talk. They don't sometimes like the clothes we wear. But um, they're great. And, oh, boy, when they stand up and speak at those microphones, you've seen some of these women on the upper left. Uh, That's Tatiana Ibrahim, my favorite, the passion, uh, the strength, the purity, the truth that they speak. These women, as you know, and men are deemed now as threats. No kidding, by the FBI. It raised a stink a couple of months ago. They're following through with it. Jim Jordan and Congressman Johnson, I trust these guys. They've written a pretty serious letter to the Attorney General of the United States. This is what they have found. The FBI has labeled dozens of investigations into parents with a threat tag created by the FBI's Counterterrorism Division to assess and track investigations related to school boards. Yep, they're doing it. Next, please. We have learned from brave whistleblowers how, as a direct result of your directive, federal law enforcement is using counterterrorism resources to investigate protected First Amendment activity. Next, one investigation alleged that the mom was a threat because she belonged to a right-wing moms group known as Moms for Liberty and because she is a gun owner. Second Amendment right after the first. Another investigation into a dad opposed to mask mandates alleged that the dad fit the profile of an insurrectionist because he rails against the government. You're allowed to do that. This is still America. And thank goodness for the whistleblower. I noticed, by the way, 
You know, if it's a whistleblower from our side who's concerned about government overreach, they're not celebrated by the mainstream media. But on the other side, oh boy, cover of Time magazine, speaking gigs. uh, Oh yeah, right. Remember these? The Guardians, the Guardians. Or uh, even in the early aughts, 2002 or so, 2003, uh, the whistleblowers, yes, all of them were liberals who came forward with their concerns and were celebrated. Doesn't happen on the other side. Anyway, just the fake news being fake. Stay with us. Congressman, former congressman, he's doing a great thing, though, in the social media world. Devin Nunes joins us. He started Truth Social with Donald Trump. And take a look at Donald Trump's uh, message today on Truth Social. He's actually appreciating Joe Biden for calling him MAGA King. Also from Pennsylvania, Carla Sand. She was an ambassador uh, to Denmark, I believe, in the Trump administration. Now she's running for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. Be right back. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. I'm Carla Sands. I fought hard to get Donald Trump elected president, and I'm the only candidate for Senate who President Trump trusted to serve in his administration. I'm proud of the work we accomplished fighting the swamp. I'll fight for Pennsylvanians to stop inflation, bring down the price at the pump, and I'll support our police. It's time Pennsylvania has an America first senator. I'm Carla Sands. I'm asking for your vote on May 17th because America's best is yet to come. All right. Quite an ad. That's a uh, former U.S. ambassador to Denmark under President Trump. Carla Sands, currently a Republican candidate for the United States Senate. Primary day is May 17th. That's Tuesday. Ambassador Sands, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? I'm great, Greg. It's great to talk to you and your and your viewers. I'm so happy to join you. Well, welcome. Thanks for being here. So do me a favor. Make the case. Uh, why you in Pennsylvania? Well, first of all, I'm a reliable conservative vote. I'm ultra MAGA. I'm the only person that actually did America first. Everybody else in this race talks about it. But I delivered as the U.S. ambassador to Denmark, Greenland and the Faroe Islands. I worked with NATO and the Department of Defense to deter Russia and China. And we were so successful that the DOD gave me their highest civilian honor. It's called the Medal for Distinguished Public Service. And we increased our trade over 43%, creating jobs here at home. So I understand that the needs, this is a very serious time right now. There's no one else that is ready on day one without a learning curve. I've worked in for, you know, foreign policy, trade policy, defense policy, and then I'm a reliable conservative vote. I'm not a squish. You know, there's a picture of you in the Oval Office with uh, with President Trump, and it's quite a picture. I've never seen one like this. He seems totally engaged. Do you remember this moment? And what's it like working for President Trump? It was the honor of my life to work for President Trump. We got so many good things done on behalf of the American people. He had mostly terrific people working for him and with him. And what we did is we deterred Russia and China. My team and I blocked that Russian gas pipeline. My team and I blocked Chinese made 5G in Denmark. I just want to share, I'm a, I'm a pro-life, pro-First Amendment, pro-Second Amendment, constitutional conservative and an America first businesswoman and Christian and mom. 
and I'm an eighth generation Pennsylvanian, and my Pennsylvania ancestors fought in the American Revolution and in the Civil War. And this is our time to fight for the heart and soul of our great nation, because this is our 1776. The Democrats are Marxists now, the ones in charge, and we have to save our country, our, our constitutional rights, our First Amendment rights, and others. And I have a website, carlasands.com, carlasands.com. I need your help. I need your vote. Go to my website. Follow me on social media. Conservatives and Pennsylvania Republican primary voters want a reliable conservative senator, and I will be that senator. So, Carla, yeah, right now, yes. uh, Ambassador, excuse me, we have a candidate, Kathy Barnett, who seems to be surging in the polls. There are a lot of question marks about her. I'd like to uh, play a, a portion of a radio interview. It's a pretty direct question. She brags about being an adjunct professor. I found her answer a little bit uh, fishy. Listen to this. Where were you an adjunct professor and when? Uh, in um, Justin University. And where's that, Kathy? That is in uh, Illinois. Okay. And, and when, when were you there? I don't remember the time. Okay. I had to listen to it about six times to figure out what she was saying. It's uh, Judson University, I think. Not sure. She thinks it's in Illinois, and she doesn't remember when she was there. What are your thoughts on Kathy Barnett? Well, you know, I'm a Senate-confirmed ambassador, so I have been scrubbed up and down. Everybody knows all my background, and I'm clean and vetted. What I can say is that she lost her last race by 20 points against a weak Democrat in a red wave year. And I mean, an extraordinarily good year for Republicans. She lost by 20 points and they didn't steal that election by 20 points. So we have now a strong Democrat, John Fetterman, that we have to beat in November. The point is to keep this seat in Republican hands. I do not believe that she can defeat John Fetterman. In fact, I think there's only a handful of us that can beat him. And I certainly can defeat John Fetterman in November. And that's the goal is to stop John Fetterman, a radical socialist populist from winning this seat. He will take down the filibuster. He will keep the border open and so many other very, very toxic uh, programs that the Democrats, you know, the radical Biden administration is damaging our country terribly. So we have to stop him. Ambassador, you had a very solid debate, uh, a couple of them, uh, and Newsmax hosted one. I'd like to uh, show a moment. You already made the case against Fetterman. Actually, this is a this is a impassioned moment on your part. We're going to play Carla Sands again on Fetterman. Kathy Barnett, she says that she, you know, she she's this all this. But as a matter of fact, she used the same playbook two years ago and lost in a red wave year by 20 points to a weak Democrat. John Fetterman is not a weak Democrat. He's a strong Democrat. And I will beat John Fetterman in November. Ah, now, that's why I liked it. Look, you were not afraid to take on Kathy Barnett. And given our culture right now, quite frankly, our culture, our fake news establishment wants to people put people like you, and by that I mean a white woman, in an uncomfortable position. But I quite frankly admired how you don't seem to be consumed with anybody's identity, what they look like. You kept it on the merits, you kept it on the substance, and I really admire that because that's trickier than it looks these days. Greg, 
The Republican Party is not the party of identity politics. That's the left wing. That's the Kamala Harris's and this new Supreme Court justice. That's what identity politics gets us. Republicans reject that. We want the most qualified person that we can rely on that's not going to go along to get along. And like I say, okay, we have a couple of leaders in the race. I call uh, Dr. Oz, I call him Turkey first because, you know, he fought in the Turkish military, not the U.S. military, and he's a minnow. MAGA in name only, Minnow, because his name is on the ballot, not Donald Trump's. And then we've got McCormick. I call him Mitt Romney McCormick because he's he's going to make bad deals with the Democrats if he's elected. And he made his billions in China. So I call him China first. Right. And then Kathy's compromised because not only did she lose her last race, she's not from Pennsylvania and she always has an excuse. It's never she never takes responsibility. And it's been identity politics all the way through. And I just want to say, I think voters actually want to know what you're going to do for them. And the loudest voice in the room doesn't get the most most done in the Senate. To mm. get things done in the Senate, you have to create coalitions. That's what I did as the U.S. ambassador. Ambassador Sands, we're going to have to leave it there. Hey, I will point out this. Having flown over Iraq myself and the armed forces, we relied on Turkey. Everybody's giving Turkey a hard time. Turkey is an ally of ours. And Operation Northern Watch, we launched missions. We launched missions from Turkey. I mean, it's an important strategic ally. But listen, Ambassador Sands, we appreciate you coming on again. I admired your performance in the debate. Uh, You can go to Carla H. Sands on social media. And let me make sure I get your uh, website correct. Thanks, CarlaSands.com. CarlaSands.com. Easy enough. Follow me on social media. Thanks so much, Greg. It's great to talk to you. You bet. To be continued, and we'll be right back with Devin Nunes. Under my predecessor, the great MAGA king. The great MAGA king. And you know who likes that? The MAGA king. Donald J. Trump today on Truth Social wrote, the great MAGA king is the name Joe Biden is now using to describe me. Thank you, Joe. Make America great again. That is on Truth Social. And the CEO of Trump Media and Technology Group, Truth Social, is former California Congressman Devin Nunes. Welcome back, sir. Good to see you. How are you? I'm doing well, Greg. Thanks for having me. Hey, when a when somebody tweets, we know it's a tweet, you know, uh, Twitter, you tweet. Yeah. What do you call it when somebody puts out a truth social message? What do you is it truth? It's, it's called a truth. It's called truthing. You can retruth, truth, comment with the truth. I love it. It's kind of, yeah, it's great. Oh, fantastic. And you know, this MAGA King thing is very interesting, Greg. So Joe Biden single-handedly just gave a whole new uh, name to Donald Trump that, of course, now Donald Trump is owning and loving it. And, of course, this other thing, which which is very strange, what is what what is ultra MAGA? Now it's ultra MAGA. It's very new new words coming out of the Biden people to hear recently. Well, personally, yeah, it's not pejorative. I kind of like it. I, uh, you know, just like deplorables. We got to like that even. Um Listen, I want your take, if you don't mind. True social, we love it. We also love what's happening with Twitter, with Elon Musk. Seems like he's going to be taking over. Um, How confident are you that this is going to happen, that he's going to get the company and he's going to reform it? It's going to be very tough for him. I mean, you're already seeing that, you know, employees are supposedly leaving 
you know, you don't know exactly what's going on internally because, you know, there's still, remember, there's still millions of Americans, you know, who are, you know, not going to ever go back to Twitter, right? They've left, they're on Instagram, they're on TikTok, they're coming over to True Social. So I think we're a long way out. Of course, President Trump has been very supportive of anyone stepping up who's willing to take on these, really these these oligarchs and these thugs of, of free speech that want to control everything. But I think it's going to be very difficult for him, quite frankly, Greg. I, I, I really do. But we're, you know, we wish him, we wish him luck. And, you know, anything that we can do to be helpful will be helpful. All right. Excellent. By the way, you know, earlier, uh, some of your former colleagues, and I know you're still friends, Congressman Jordan, Congressman Johnson, sent uh, Attorney General Garland a letter complaining about the situation at the FBI. Apparently, they're investigating, you know, parents at these school board meetings. They're really following through with that. I'm just curious, these letters, I mean, when you're in the minority, what can you actually get done? I hear complaints all the time. They don't answer the letters. They essentially blow off uh, the House of Representatives, the minority at least. Are we not able to do anything until and unless we take over? This this is exactly so what what you have to execute on investigations. So because the Democrats control both the House and the Senate, it makes it very difficult. But what Jim Jordan and the Republicans are doing, um, you know, I mean, I have not spoke to him on this, but I, I know you know why you would do this is you're beginning to build evidence and lay a case so that when we get the majority back or when the Republicans get the majority back, you're then able to quickly execute subpoenas. And, you know, that's the one thing is as someone who, you know, led the Russia hoax and through all the impeachment nonsense, you know, that's the one regret that, that I have is that we did not use our subpoena power quickly enough, efficiently enough. And, you know, even though we did unravel the whole Russia hoax, it was a mistake for us not to use these subpoenas quickly. So I have been, you know, giving the advice that people ask me to run a successful and congressional investigation is you can't wait. You know, if, if the Republicans are lucky enough to get the majority, they've got to move and move swiftly and subpoena quickly. And they can use these letters where they're building a case because this was I mean, this issue with the with the children. Remember, Greg, and I know you know this. We were told, oh, that's fake news. You know, it's just Republicans grandstanding. None of that's really not going to really happen. Well, of course, it did happen. You know, and just today I just read a story. You know, this whole issue of the kidnapping of of the Michigan governor. Remember all that nonsense? Sure. Well, now it comes out, lo and behold, FBI was involved in that in that kidnapping. And of course, the big daddy of them all is the FBI's involvement, the dirty cops involvement with the DNC, the Clinton campaign and all the Russia stuff. So that's where it's headed. Congressman Nunes, what an amazing service you provided this country when you were in office and you continue to do so now at uh, Trump Media. To be continued, sir, we appreciate it so much. You bet. Thanks a lot, Greg. Thanks for having me. Everybody download Truth Social and we'll be right back. Information. Truth. Is freedom is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. Wow. Uh, I like that show. I hope you did. I'll see you tomorrow, Friday. Does today feel like Friday a little bit, right? I don't know why that is. Uh, anyway, stand by for Stinchfield. He's terrific. And uh, again, tomorrow night, seven o'clock. Thank you. All the best.